Wonderful. Looked like Glenis were locking the doors then. <laughs> like you were locking in and that rate. I was just reflecting on a verse just as I was sat there uh, before the service uh, began. And it talks about a cheerful heart is like good medicine. This has nothing to do with what I've got to say. Let me say to you, I want and we want here at Arena Church, the people that come here, we want you to have a whole lot of fun. I'll take that into context. We want this to be a fun place to be. We want it to be a great place to be. We want it that actually it puts a smile on your face. I mean, if those legs don't put a smile on your face, John, then nothing else will. Okay. Uh, I'm only joking. But, but literally, we want this to be a great place to be. Some of you, we heard on the, on the video that from what Tyler said, or was it Jacob, about the whole sense of people have a, an impression of church of being stained glass windows and whatever. There's nothing wrong with stained glass windows. There's nothing wrong with sing, singing hymns. It's wonderful. But some people have a perception of what they're basically saying is it's all the boring stuff of church. And some people have a perception of church that actually it's a place where it's very, very intense. It's a bit, you know, doom and gloom and whatever. Listen, we're not those kinds of people. We want this to be a great place. Are you hearing me? We want this to be a place where it's alive with joy and fun and laughter. That's why we do lots of food. I know some of you are really struggling with it because of your waistlines are advancing. But listen, don't worry about it. Just then, just go with it. Just enjoy it. We want this to be a great place. Listen, we want this to be a place of fun where you come and you might feel a little bit low. We don't want you walking out of here low. We want you walking out of the field uplifted because you've met with God and also you've met with lots of other people who are standing with you, who are committed to you and who love you. Are you listening to me? A cheerful heart is like good medicine. You know, there's something, it's like a tonic when we laugh, yeah? There's something good that happens as we just laugh. And I was just having a few minutes with Philip and Zelia and, uh, and also there was joy and just after church this morning and we we're just laughing a little bit about some stuff. You know, that was happening. It was great, wasn't it, guys? Just to, you know, so I just encourage you with that. Is that okay? So, you know, let this be a place of real joy and, and, and people will be attracted to that. Our autumn series is, is called God First. And um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at certain um, subjects And themes where we're going to encourage you to put God first. I'm aware that this message will just smack right in the face of the culture of the day. The culture of the day is me first. Me, mine, all about me. Yes? But what we're going to talk about is about about God being first. I don't know whether... You um, have ever been on a plane? Give me a wave if you've ever been on a plane. Okay. I I, I always find it funny. I I had to get a bit educated. Because, and I was educated by my wife. Any fellas know what I'm talking about? Our wives educators, don't they? Yeah. There's only John who's brave enough to say it. Okay. (laughs) All you blokes are cowards. All right, me and John, we're real men. We're not, we're not. I like to say it because she's not here. That's what it's all about with me. Okay. You know, my wife educates me because what I used to happen when I used to go and 
uh, to the airport. We'd be there. We've got our tickets. We've got our, we've got our um, you know, seat numbers. We've got it all sorted. You've all been there, haven't you? And we're all ready to go. And then you realize that the gate is just about your sat there waiting. And then you realize that the stewardesses are doing some things that they're doing. You can tell they're getting ready. And what happens immediately? Everybody gets up and we all start queuing. Never mind the Germans, it's about the British as well. We all get up. Any Germans here? There's, there's a Swiss, you know, I know there's a Swiss. But, you know, you know they're worse. Did it, somebody say they're worse? No. Okay. We, 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 we all get up and we all start charging forward because we all want to get onto the plane first. Even though we have our seat numbers, even though we can't get anywhere quicker, because we've all got to wait till the whole plane is boarded, yes? But we all zoom forward because there's something built in us that we want to be first. We want to be first. And this is what we're talking about. Because we live in a day where it's all about us. Now, if that resonates with you, then I want you to listen up for a few minutes because I really want to talk about putting God first. This is contrary to the culture of the day because we have a bias towards selfishness. It's a result of sin entering the world. If you don't believe me and you say, oh, no, 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 that's not me, Christian. You're not talking about me. Okay. I I would like you to just observe little children. Who taught little children not to share? You might have had one of those good kids. I've had four of them, and we've had to teach all of them to share. Because there's something in Bill, in most kids, that they don't want to share, don't they? Is that true? Don't all look at me like that. Don't all look at me all like, oh, you know, we all like it. There's something in Bill, in all of us, and in kids, where they don't want to share. And there's something also built in kids that they always want to be first. I just commented that, you know, this morning that I was watching something where Isaac and Lily were at, at, and the whistle was blown, and all the kids just ran forward to try and get there. And what were they wanting to do? They were wanting to be first. There's something inbuilt into all of us. And Jesus knew this. That is why he spoke from these verses and I just want to take the opportunity in a moment. Some of the ver- some verses will be on the screen. If you've got a Bible, I wonder if you just turn with me for a few moments to the Gospel of Matthew. It's easy to find because it's in the New Testament, the first book in the New Testament, chapter 6. And I want to just encourage you to read from verse 25. We're not going to read all those verses through to 34. But we're going to just take a particular text. And as you find it, I also wonder if the guys would hand out these cards. I didn't do it this morning, but I want you to quickly not lose distraction. Look at me. You just take a card. And what it will do on there, it says God first. And then on the reverse of it, it's got the key verse. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. I want you to take this away with you, and I want you to use it over these next few weeks, because I believe that God is going to speak to us as a church. As you take a card, let me just contextualize 
what is happening around these verses because Jesus is speaking to large crowds. They're gathering around him. Jesus gathered a crowd because he was completely different in the day. He did amazing healing miracles. He touched people that nobody else wanted to touch. He wasn't like the other religious leaders. He engaged with people. He had a relatability that was just outstanding. But the other other thing that you must understand, it wasn't all fluffy with Jesus. He spoke truth like they had never heard before. In fact, harder truth. You've got to read from Matthew 5 and 6. Harder truth. But he spoke truth right into their hearers' hearts. And so Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, is speaking these words. He's speaking to a crowd of Jews. And yet, they're not in a synagogue. They're not in a temple. But they're on a hillside. And there's children and mums and dads present. You see, Jesus was a man of the people. He was for the people. And this was a message for the people. The other thing we must understand to contextualize this as well is that it was a very oppressive time when Jesus came onto the scene. It was oppressive in Israel because of the Roman uh, Empire that was controlling Israel. They were introducing taxes. So there was Roman taxes which was taking money from people that they hadn't got. And they had to pay the taxes, and then they hadn't got enough to be able to clothe themselves, feed themselves, and even, not necessarily house themselves, but to drink and just live. It was a very, very difficult time. It also created a lot of fear. There was fear that was around because they thought if I did something wrong, am I going to be taken by the Romans? It created all kinds of instability amongst the people. Why am I saying all this? Because it's much like today. Sometimes we can read the Bible and say, what has this got to say to me? It has everything to say to us because of the day that they were living in is very much like our day. There's a lot of instability. There's a lot of people worrying about how they're going to put shoes on the kids. There's a lot of people worrying about how they're going to pay the mortgages and how they're going to pay the rents. There are people who are worrying, will I have a job next week because of what's happening in our company? There's all kinds of worries. There's all kinds of fears. And it gets very, very oppressive. And Jesus speaks right into it. And I want to take, first of all, verse 25, if you've got it in your Bibles. We haven't got time, as I say, to read it all, but I just want to take three or four verses from 25 through to 34. Jesus says this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you'll put on, how you'll clothe yourself. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 31, Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? You see, they were worrying about all those things. I wonder if I've got your attention here tonight, because I get a sense in which there are some people who've been worrying about bills. They've been worrying about jobs. They've been worrying about all kinds of money issues. You're full of worry about your kids and your grandkids. Full of worry about your health. Lots of worry around. And Jesus 
comes to you tonight and wants to speak to you. And he says, don't worry about those things. And then he goes on to say in verse 33, and this is our text for the evening. Because he then says this, but seek first. Everybody say first. Nudge your neighbor next to you, make sure they're awake and say first. He said first. But seek, everybody say first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things is he talking about? I'm asking for some participation. What things is he talking about? Clothing. What else? Food. What else? Drink. That's what all these things that you have been worrying about. As you seek God first and my kingdom and my righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. I remember these verses. I was actually reflecting this morning. I'm sure it was my uncle, Ken, who was at that point the Sunday school leader in Bosworth Street. And I think he was bribing kids. Certainly there was a bit of bribery that was going on because... Well, I wasn't interested in bookmarks and sweets. Forget that. I wanted money. Show me the spondulis, okay? That was no incentive for me. Give me a rubber. Forget it. Give me a bookmark. I don't want a bookmark. Just give me... So we used to get 5p. I remember it. Well, with 5p, I could go and buy a packet of polos, John, and two gobstoppers. That's where I'm... Sorry, kids. That's way, way, way down there. But can anybody remember those days? Yeah, packet of polo, 4p. Half a p. Half a P for a gobstopper. Five P. But it was a great incentive because I can remember, seriously, I can remember this verse from being a little boy. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things, Andy, will be added on to you. And Jesus comes to us tonight and says, I understand you have issues. I understand the practical stuff of life. Jesus comes to you and his message is, I get it. I get that you're worried. I get that you're stressed. I get that you're worked up. I get that you feel challenged. About clothing, about your kids, about your future, and all those things, I get it. And Jesus says to us tonight, if we will put him first, then all this stuff will be taken care of. What a wonderful message that is tonight, my friends. What a wonderful message it is to know that if we will put God first in our lives, then he will take care of our lives. Now, that all sounds good to me. But if I was, if I was now listening to me, I'd be asking two questions. I'd be asking two questions that aren't particularly positive, actually. But are there, they, need, they need to be out there. Is that okay? Yeah. The two questions that I would be asking, and I think there are some people already asking them, is why in the heck should I put God first? Is he trustworthy? And the second question is this. Don't you think God's been a little bit indulgent? Because why can't he be second? 
Are they fair questions? I'm saying, God's, Jesus is saying, seek first. I think they're valid questions. Well, why should I put God first? Is he trustworthy? And the second thing, don't you think he's being a little bit indulgent? Because actually, shouldn't second be okay? Well, I want to try and answer both of those questions in just a few minutes. Because I think they're very valid questions. And the first one is this, why put God first? Is he trustworthy? I want to say God is faithful. I thought I would get an amen there from some people. God? Not that loud, Vicky. <laughs> Calm down, love. We're in church. God is faithful. I not only read of his faithfulness, listen to me, but this is more as important. I've also experienced his faithfulness. There's times when we haven't had a lot of money. And we wondered how we were going to sort it through, work it through. Particularly in the early, early days of ministry. My goodness, they were really, really tough times. Really tough times. We were talking to some people about how we used to go and buy a bag of mints and pray that it would just see us through for the month. Just a bag of mints and we'd just pray that it would just see us through for the month. You know, so we know what it is to... And I don't, I, don't, I don't begrudge those days, actually. I thank God for them. I thank God for family and friends who were very kind to us. But the reality is we know what it is to have struggled. Don't please look at me and think he's really got it all sorted. We know what it is to struggle. We know what it is to have some battles. We know what it is to have some fights. We know what it is to have very little money. Not at the end of the month, at the beginning of the month. But when I read that God is faithful, I don't don't just know about his faithfulness. I've experienced his faithfulness, which is because at times when I've needed it, there's people who've come along and blessed us. There's people who I've spoken to who have needed a job and nothing's been happening for them. They've been pushing doors. And then when they've just put their trust in God and put him first, then unexpectedly they take a call and it's the perfect job. God doesn't just say he's faithful, their experience is is, God is faithful. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? If you do, just give me a wave. God is faithful. I was talking this morning, it's worthy of a story. There's a lady in our church, which I can't go into the details, but it's a very, very sad situation. She gave me permission to say this, but she's a grandma and she's looking after her four kids. She's got care of her four grandkids because of the situation around her daughter and it's extremely sad, extremely sad. Because of the lifestyle that a daughter has chosen. And um, she was up in Scotland. She was up in Scotland with, with, these, with these children because she's, she's Scottish. And uh, we won't get into all that debate, eh, Margaret? Because we've got another Scottie. We'll, we'll leave that to one side. But thank God it all got sorted out in the end. That's my take on it. And she was up in Scotland. And her little five-year-old grandson was carrying a balloon, as we've seen, on on. on, on films and whatever, he loses his balloon, he goes running after his balloon into the middle of a road, a car hits him, 20 foot in the air, 15 foot down the, down the road, it bounces down the road. In normal circumstances, the boy would be dead. She picked him up and he'd got a graze, and that is it. And she was just testifying to them this morning, before the service, that's why I was just so up, she said, God is 
faithful. Because you have to understand, social services would have been all over that like a rash. And actually the little boy, he just ran out. As kids do. You see, Kath doesn't just know from a book. She knows it because she's experienced it. Listen to me. He is faithful. In sickness, you can experience his grace and peace. When those rogue winds come to you, and they come to all of us. You need to know. He is a faithful God. He is a trustworthy God. That is why Jesus can say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you. But the second question you say, Christian, let's not forget the second question because I think it's a bit indulgent of God. Let me say this to you. What you prioritize shows me what you love. I'll say that again. What you prioritize Show me, shows me what you love. You see, I want to just show you something. If you take these boxes and they're our lives. Okay? And very often many of us have got all kinds of things that we try and fill our lives with. Listen to me. Good things. It's going to look like sand, but it's not sand. So let's just call out a few things. So a husband or a wife. We fell our lives with a husband and wife. Kids. Aren't kids great? About four of you believe that. Aren't kids great? You might want to throttle them, but they're still great. Amen. Eleanor's just giving me the thumbs up. She's going to remind me of that tonight. Okay. Kids are great. The fact is we all need money. Do we not need money? We need money to pay the bills. We need money. So we fill our lives with that. Some people fill their lives with retirement planning. There's nothing wrong with filling your life with retirement planning. Some of you are ticking the days off. That's not great. But you're wanting to get yourself retired. What about that holiday? Anybody like holidays? Flipping out. That was the greatest enthusiasm we've had, Phil. Wonderful. We love holidays, so holidays and that new car, oh yeah, baby. And then we love going to the shops, ooh, yeah, brilliant. We love socializing, yeah, family and friends, brilliant. We get it all sorted. And then we've got God, (laughs) oh, God's wonderful. Oh, God, I love you so much, you're wonderful. And we place God in our lives. And it doesn't quite fit so I'll apply a bit more pressure it will go in God will go into my life listen to me this is how a lot of us have lived our lives and are living our lives. There's nothing wrong with this stuff here. But if this stuff becomes your priority and then you try and put God in the midst of it, it just doesn't fit. The better option is to put God first. We place him into our lives and God says, listen, I know, you love, I know you love your holidays. You can have a holiday. 
I know you need clothes and food. I know you love that husband and that wife. I know you love those kids. Enjoy it. You love going out for a drink and a party. No problem. It's harmless. No, fantastic. That retirement, of course, you're shoving a few quid away. No problem with that at all. You know, you're just enjoying life. But guess what? When God's first, it all fits. When God's first, it all fits. I'll say it again. When God's first, it all fits. When God isn't first, it becomes uncomfortable. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto me. You may say, you're a Christian. What are you saying then? God's first before my wife and my husband and my kids. Yes, he is. God's what? Before my before my grandkids? Yeah. God's first before my job? Yeah. God's first before my bank account? You've got to be kidding. God's first. And I have found that when we put God first, then everything else just takes shape. You see, unless we place God intentionally first in our lives, listen to me, he will be relegated to second or third, or worse still, fourth or fifth. You might have your ticket to heaven. I get that. You know you're going, if something happened to you tonight, you know you'd be in the presence of God. But I've realized more and more, it's not just about the ticket to heaven. And please don't misunderstand me. I haven't become a heretic all of a sudden. But it's about living our lives for Jesus here on earth. Because there's a journey, there's a process, there's a a discipleship journey. Because what he actually wants, he wants less of us and more of him in our lives. He wants us to become more like him. And he can't do that when we're forever putting everything around God. Because God gets lost in the stuff. But when we put him first, everything works. It really does. The other reason why I think that God is saying I can't be second and God isn't being indulgent because I think putting God first is God. This is worthy of a note because it humbles me. It humbles me. It brings me to my rightful place and puts God at his rightful place. Living for God means that I am surrendered to his will and it's not about my will. We recognize him as our source. We recognize him as the one who will clothe me. He will feed me. He will give me water. He will house me. He will take care of me. It's all about him and becomes less about me. Are you hearing me tonight? This is a value of Arena Church. This is a value of discipleship. Discipleship is about not we pick and choose. Who loves pick and mix sweets? Yeah, we all have favorite sweets and like to pick and mix. And many people's Christianity is like that. They like it a little bit and they don't like that, so they leave that alone. They like that and they don't like that. Let me tell you, this discipleship journey, Jesus is really nailing his colors to the mast. And he's speaking to these people hard things. And he's saying to you, why do you keep worrying about such stuff? 
Oh, you of little faith, put your trust in me. If you will put your trust in me and you will put God the Father first, then all these things will be taken care of. Put in God first. I believe if we will honor God, then he will honor us. And I already said this. I don't just know that from the Bible. I know it as a result of experience. You may say tonight, well, Christian, he is first. What are you talking about, this stuff? Come on, we, we're here, aren't we? We're going to be at the working party. We're going to small groups, Paul. I'm part of the small group program. Give me a break, will you, Christian? I'm not wanting to get in anybody's face, but I, I'm deeply impacted by my preparation of this message because it has dug once again very, very deep. And by the way, if it doesn't dig very deep in the preacher, then we have no right to be preaching it. And this is what I felt the Lord say to me. I don't think I've heard it from anywhere. I asked Caroline because I was doing something. I said, just write this down, will you, for me? If this is the big test to see if he's first, look at your diary and see where you spend the majority of your time. I'm not talking about work now. You've got to work. But where do you spend your time? Here's another big one. Look at your bank statements and see where you spend your money. Some people say, well, it's first. But I have to say, please look at your bank statements. Please check your diary. Please check your priorities. And then come and speak to me and tell me if God is really first. You see, it's not just about knowing forgiven and saved I've already said you have the ticket. Many of you here, you know you're Christians, you know you're saved. You know that if you were to die today, you'd be with God in his presence. But it's more than this. It's about living for him every moment of every day. This is why this message is so hard for people. And this is why for some churches that never invite me back, delivering this kind of message. Because this will cost you your life. But actually if you'll lose your life, you'll find your life. That is the gospel. You see, God wants to be first in our marriages. God wants to be first in our singleness. Those who are single here tonight, trust God for for his partner for you. Stop trying to find him for yourself. God will bring them to you in his time. God first in our friendships and our relationships. God first in our finances. With our money, with our bank balances, with our resource. This is a big one. We'll talk into this in the days ahead. God first with our diaries. Making, connecting, gathering with God's church in corporate and small groups a priority. God first in serving the church with our gifts, with our talents, with our skills. Volunteering. Listen, God wants to be first front and central. As I conclude, what do we need to do with what we've just learned? What do we need to do with it? Because I haven't just brought a nice tickling your ears kind of message. What are we going to do with it, church? Are we just going to say, well, that was fine, and we brush it off. Christian's just getting pumped up again. Got a bit of a sweat on. It's just like his mate Phil. You get a bit of a sweat on. They get pumped up. They go, don't worry. Just feed them a bacon cob. They'll be all right. 
Cake tonight, absolutely, Phil. We weren't very happy about that, were we? Julie, that was a rubbish idea. Sorry, we'd never want that idea again. What are they going to do with it? Oh, they're just getting pumped up again. They need to calm down. Listen to me, we won't calm down. It's only going to get worse. God wants to be first. He wants to be first in your life. And listen to me, he wants to be first in my life. This is in conclusion. He wants to be first in my life. It's not going to be rabbiting on for half an hour. If I'm not living this stuff, what's to be first with me? What do I need to do? Well, I probably need to go and have a look at my bank statements. I need to go and have a look at my diary. And I need to probably get on my knees. And don't wait till tomorrow morning. As I'm driving away in the car, I may just need to see God. I'm determined to put you first. How we can do that? Well, if you're not in the Bible, get in the Bible. Some people come to me and say, Christian, I'm having a dog rough time and the things are happening, it's awful, it's chaos and whatever. I go, I'm really sorry about that. Can I ask you, are you reading your Bible in prayer? Oh, no, I haven't read it for months. I haven't prayed for months. Sorry, guys, I'm not being unsympathetic as a pastor. The Bible says that this word is like food to your soul. Get in the word. Then work things through with other people. Of course you need to, but get in the Word. So some of you, God first, it may be tomorrow morning, I am going to get up for 10 minutes early. And I'm just going to spend some time with a cup of coffee, and I'm just going to spend some time with God in the Bible. I'm going to start, I'm going to read this Matthew 6. And I'm going to say, God, I'm inviting you into my day. I want you to be in my day. That's where it starts. These are some of the practical things that you can do in your life to put God first. I will finish with this. Please, if there's all sorts of stuff happening in your life, this is going to sound unsympathetic. You're going to have to go to Pastor Phil at the end of it because I don't want to know, okay? There's all sorts of things happening in your life and things aren't working out for you in the way. But you're not putting God first, then it's your own fault. Because the Bible says to us, if you will seek me first, and my kingdom, and my righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. If we will do our bit, he will most definitely do his bit. That's by our heads in prayer.